All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Seek and Find, my podcast centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is your host, Elder Dylan Wilkinson. My goal is to provide real and sincere content to help you seek a better understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to find the answers to your questions through the Spirit of the Lord. Although I am a full-time missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, what I say and what is said by others on this podcast does not represent the official stance of the Church. However, I encourage you to open your hearts to the Spirit, because as you listen, the messages that God wants you to hear will come to your mind. As always, it's going to be a fun time. All right, everybody, welcome to episode six. Today, I'm going to be calling my brother. Um, his name is Doug. Uh, I call him Dougie. But we're going to be talking about his mission. He served in the Argentina Resistencia mission, um, and he got back a, a little over a year ago. He's my older brother. He's like three years older than me, and I'm really excited to have him on the call on the show today because, man, that guy, he's a beast, and I love him. So, like, he's he's so cool. And so we're going to call him, but we'll go ahead and introduce him further there, but I'm going to go ahead and call him right now. Hey, Doug, how you doing, How's man? Going? Good, dude. Good, how are you? Really good, really good. Um, man, it's good to hear your voice. Thanks for doing this call. Yeah, no problem, man. Super cool. Hey, so just before um, I called you, I was just talking about uh, a little bit about your experience with serving a mission, uh, and I just basically just introduced that and uh, who you are. Just for the listeners, he is my brother, Dougie, Doug, uh, absolute straight hype beast, he is a great example to me, and um, I, I guess I can say that for the end. But, Doug, do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Right sure. on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm Dylan's older brother. So, I, uh, yeah, like you said, I served a mission about a year ago. I got home about a year ago. Um, I went to Resistencia, Argentina, which is in the northern part of Argentina. Um, yeah, so that's basically my story so far. I'm going to school right now, of course. And yeah. Cool. Right on, right on. Just what do you like to do uh, in your free time? Oh, so uh, I love sports. Um, any type of sports is fun, being outside. Uh, I love the mountains, camping, hiking, anything to do outside, basically. I try not to be inside at any time of the day until, yes. until I go to bed. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's really cool. And I guess what I'm looking at here will, um, I'll, I'll describe it, but I'm looking at my phone and it's Doug's profile picture on Facebook and he's sitting on top of our side-by-side -side back home with an American flag flapping in the wind and uh, he's got his like sick sunglasses on, baseball cap on, and he's just sitting there. And if that doesn't describe Doug perfectly, I don't know what does. And so <laughs> we got outdoors, That's side cool. by side, America. Love it. Love it. <laughs> okay. On top of a mountain. On top of a mountain. That's right. Oh, yeah. In the background. Yeah. I see it. <laughs> That's cool. You know, I was thinking about that the other day. Uh, my two favorite places on the earth are, one, the temple, and then mountains. And uh, if you think about, like, in biblical time, especially the Old Testament, a lot of the prophets, they would go up into the mountains to talk with God. And so that was like their temple. And so there's, you know, for somebody who wants to be close to God, like any follower of Jesus Christ, 
the temple and the mountains are their favorite places on the earth for sure. That's for me. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's very true. Just last week, I hiked up to a mountain, a mountain peak. Yeah. Oh, Jug Mountain here in McCall. Jug. And I, I stayed there until the sunset, so I had to hike down in the dark, but it was, I actually, and then I posted it on social media, too. Yeah. Um, and I, I said the same thing. They're like, my two, my two favorite places on this earth are inside the temple in the, celest- in the celestial room and also on the top of the mountain. Um, cause it, it's just different. It's different there. That's, that's what makes it so special because like in the temple, of course, you leave everything out in the outside world, you know, all the bills to pay, um, just your whole life. And you go in there and you just feel the spirit on top of mountain is pretty, it's like, it's not the same feeling of course, but it's close, it's close. because you're on top of everything. You feel you feel on top of the world. <laughs> Absolutely. And the spirit, you're closer to heaven, I think. And, and uh, so the spirit is more strong. Yeah. Definitely. No, that's really cool. And we will definitely have an, an episode later on about like temples and like what it is. But that's really cool. All right. So I guess we can just get started. We're going to be talking about uh, Doug's mission and kind of the experience that he had. Like, like you know, I'm, I'm on my mission right now. I'm serving in Minnesota, Minneapolis, and so uh, my my mission is very different than Doug's was. For one, the location he was in Argentina speaking Spanish, and I'm in Minnesota during a pandemic and like a social reform riots and crazy stuff going on right now. So very different missions, but I really wanted to just like have him come on the, on Seek and Find today and give his experience. So first of all. Douglas, why did you choose to serve a mission? Why did you go? Uh, that's a good question. So, um, so the first thing, I have a lot of family members that have served missions, and I think that had a had a big impact on me. Yeah. Because I didn't want to let, I did first of all, um, I didn't want to let my family down, and and like so that was a big big reason too at first. Yeah. But then. I started praying about it and saying, do, do, do I really need to serve a mission and everything like that? I, I came to the realization that, that if it wasn't for the gospel in my life, I'd be a total different person. And how much the gospel brings so much joy into my life. Yeah. And so when I realized that, um, it was a no-brainer to go on a mission <laughs> because I wanted to, to be able to have... Um, experiences and to be able to share what brings so much into my so much joy into my life with other people um because the gospel is a very important part of my life and and to not be able to share with others and and to be able to help them um wouldn't be hard and so that was that was the main reason why i served a mission i love it I love it. And that's so Christ-like right there. From the, the New Testament, we know that Christ sent out missionaries, his apostles, to um, share the gospel. And we have that same call. We, we share that with people. And that's really cool. I love how that desire grew in you as you got older, but also how it like started with the family that you were raised in. And for me, oh man, for me, what was my reason? What was... I don't know if there's a number one reason, 
but I I recognized how much I have been blessed um, by being in a family that was like that raised me in the gospel and the truth, and um, I like I didn't want to throw away that opportunity that God had given me, and so I was like, man, I'm gonna go serve a mission, forget about myself, and help other people, and so it's really awesome to be doing that right now. But I okay, so so Doug, the next question um, is one of my favorite questions. Out here on the mission, people ask, you know, how long have you been out or how long do you have left? Like, and everybody gives their time and stuff. And I'm, I'm currently at well, just a little over a year. And so I get that, you know, that question a lot. But then, but another question that I really love is why are you still here? Because over the time of the first year of the mission, like even the first six months, you change a ton. And that reason may have changed uh, from when you like first came out to why you're still out. And so I guess, Doug, like when, when you were like six months out on your mission or a year into like living in Argentina, um, why did you stay on your mission? Uh, that's a, yeah, that's a good question. So actually, I don't think my, my mission was hard. Um, it was very, it was the hardest thing I've, I had ever done um, to that that point and everything like that and and so it was, it was it was a struggle but but I don't think I ever really thought about going home um, just because I I knew I was gonna serve the two years and I I you know drilled that into my mind yeah you so were determined yeah that it, the thought never came to me that, oh, I, I could just go home. You know, I knew I could, yeah. um, but it, it was a thing like I I wanted to come home and be a full-time, uh, like a return missionary, a fulfilled, you know, mission and, and everything like that. Um, not not to come home early. Um, I think I think that that was the main, main reason. I wanted to be a, a return missionary. Um, and so it was hard. But it was hard because I was like, man, in another year. But, um, and also, when I got done with a year, I had so many special experiences and, and uh, things that had touched my heart. Um, and I, I, have met, I had met so many people yeah. that were so strong in the gospel and helped. And I've helped come to the gospel, so many people. And so... Having that knowledge and those experiences after just one year, I, I kind of thought to myself, you know what? Like after one more year, how many more experiences can I have, and how many, how many more people can I help? Yeah. Um, not not just come to the gospel because, um, you know, that's the ultimate goal of a missionary is to get baptisms. But I think the one of the most important parts of a mission is just to help people and just to be able to to guide people and in the little things in life too you you know people see you on the streets and, and they can say wow you know th those guys are good guys or, or sisters too like sister missionaries they're good girls and and uh, being able to just have a presence in a city um, helps people absolutely and, and so that's that's kind of why I stayed out <laughs> that's really cool. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And one thing I, I do want to make sure that's clear is that us mis- missionaries, we, we invite people to be baptized. But first and foremost, we invite people to Jesus Christ. And then if they come into Christ, then they themselves will want to be baptized. And so it's it's cool how every single person that I've worked with on my mission, um, and I haven't I haven't baptized like too many people. The number is not like crazy. But those people are just like really close, and they're awesome friends. Um, but what happened was they came unto Christ, and they made the decision themselves. And so I, those are just some of the lessons that you learn on a mission, and it's really cool. Doug, you talked about feeling the love that like like letting your love grow for other people, and just being there for them, helping them. And I understand you have a cool story to to tell about like your mission and stuff like that. And so I guess I'll let you uh, take that away and I can comment or anything. You just go for it, man. Yeah, for sure. And In- interrupt me at any time. To ask me questions or like that. <laughs> All right. All right. So, um, when I, when I had six months into my, into my mission, I, uh, I went to my second area. Um, my second, like, you know, serving, um, area city so city yeah town um and this was the city was named Estanislao del Campo and in this this little I mean it was basically a village it was out in the boondocks and everything like that um and the church was very small and we were in charge of another group um that happened to be actually eight hours away in the bus and and then also three hours on a on a dirt road, and we had to take a taxi every time we went there. So we were in charge of that group also, uh, as a branch. So this this little group is was called the village was called Potrillo, and it's a very very special place in my heart. Um, it has one, and um, yeah, it's very special. That's awesome. So so basically the story. So it's an Indian tribe, a native from like Argentina and Paraguay. It was two tribes, and they're now in like the same, you know, village. Um, it was the Nibakle tribe and the uh, and Wichi, Wichi and Nibakle. Awesome. And so, most of them spoke their native tongue, which was Nibakle or Wichi. Um, and so they, so only a few of them spoke Spanish. And so what happened? Their story goes like this: They were in Paraguay. Um, for a very long time, and then about seven years before I served my mission, they heard about the church, um, and the group leader, uh, like the tribe leader, it was it wasn't really a chief anymore, it it would, but it was a social leader, so he he still had you know influence in his people and everything like that, but it wasn't really like a chief like you see in the movies anymore. Right. And so he, he spoke Spanish, but not a lot of the other people did. So when they were in Paraguay, they heard about the church. And mainly the the chief heard about the church. And he, he got a hold of the Book of Mormon in Spanish and a hymn book. And he, he kind of learned about the church through the missionaries over there. But then something happened with the Paraguay government. I don't, I don't know exactly why. But they had to move down to Argentina. And so the whole tribe moved down to Argentina across the border. Wow. 
and settle in a town called Potrillo. So, um, at that time, none of them were baptized. And they were in this, in Potrillo, the, the missionaries weren't there and nowhere near that place. And so they, they still loved the gospel and, and wanted to be baptized, but they, they just didn't have the chance. And so they were learning more about the gospel through the Book of Mormon and everything like that. And also they, they read the Bible too. And so the group leader, he had everybody meet under a tree for on every Sunday. And they would they would just read verses in the Book of Mormon and then they got hold of a hymn book in Spanish and they would learn to sing in Spanish. That's awesome. Um, and so and they did this for seven years. And so and then after after about seven years, the group leader, the chief, he heard about how the missionaries were opening up a new area. And that was in, in my mission. And so he was like, Well, I better go get the missionaries and to come baptize my whole village, basically. <laughs> and so <laughs> so he he walked it's a three hour drive. I don't know how long he had to walk, how long of a walking distance is. It's a long it is, time. But he, yeah, it, it's a it's a good you know, a good day. So he uh, went to the bigger city that's kind of by his village and he was thinking to himself, All right, where would the missionaries come? They don't have cars, they wouldn't come on bikes, um, so where would they come? And so he decided to go to the bus station because that's where they would come. And so he, he waited over 24 hours at that bus station. Oh, he, he was just alone. You know, he just waited because he, he knew that the missionary would come by sometime and open the area. So he waited and waited. And finally, two, two young men um, in white fruits and ties and black, of course, walked off the bus. And he instantly knew that they were elders, uh, the missionaries. And so he went up to them and and in his limited Spanish, he told them basically that, um, told them the story that they've been waiting for seven years to be baptized, and they knew the church was true, and to, and for them to uh, to come baptize all of his people. <laughs> and so you can imagine how the missionaries <laughs> thought, you know, uh, this is every missionary's dream is to to find a you know, a group of people that want to be baptized right now, you know? Oh, yeah. And, so cool. <laughs> yeah, and so they they called uh, the mission president, and the and that mission president was the one right before my mission president. And so he, he said, all right, I'm coming too. Yeah. <laughs> and so the next day, the mission president got there, and all four of them, the chief and the two missionaries and the mission president, they all traveled over to his village. And on the first day, they baptized 35 people. How many people again? Sorry, uh, you cut out. Oh, sorry, 35. Wow. Yeah, 35 people they baptized. And it was a very, very special day. So what happened was during that seven years, the, the chief knew about tithing. And so he had his people, you know, willingly, of course, um, but... Everybody in that village paid their tithing, even though there was no one to report the tithing to and everything like that. They paid it for seven years. 
That's incredible. And it, you know, they were poor people, so it wasn't, you know, a ton of money, but it was seven years worth of their money. And, and to be, be able to, to believe and, and have a testimony of the law of tithing to pay it, even though it wasn't going anywhere, but they had the faith that later on it would, you know? Um, and so when the missionaries got there, uh, the missionary, one of the missionaries were, was acting as the branch president, um, under, under the mission president. And so he was in charge of, of tithing in the, in the branch and everything like that. Right. And so the group leader handed him seven, seven years worth of tithing. Wow. And, uh, that is like one of my favorite stories of, you know, of tithing and of any part of the gospel is because of the devotion, the faith that they had for seven years is immense, immensely strong because that, you know, it's hard. <laughs> Some people have a real hard time paying tithing and, but to pay it without knowing that it's, it's just going to sit there for a long time and they don't know when it's not going to, or, or it's going to get put to good use. Um, so yeah. And so right now, when I was, when I got there, there were over 120 members, all baptized, and they didn't have a church building at all. They, they, but the, the church did build a pavilion there, and so they met under a pavilion with their, they had a bunch of chairs and, uh, you know, a, a place where to speak, you know? Yeah. And, and so they met every Sunday under yeah. this pavilion. So cool. And, and had their church service. And it was over 120 members. And so when I got there, two months prior to that, they had a chance to to go to the temple. And the closest temple was in Paraguay across the border. But it was, a, it was still a three-day journey, basically. And so even though most of them, you know, didn't even have shoes, um, they, most, yeah, so all of them, well, about 30 members that were of age to go into the temple and get endowed, they walked there. They walked three days over to the Paraguay temple in Asuncion. And, and they had to cross a, a big river that was infested with, with alligators and they would cross it on a big, huge barge, um, get to the temple and so and then they then they traveled back and um so now when i got there there were were 30 members that that were endowed and uh we worked really hard with that group um to try to make it a branch and right before i left they were really close Um, i'm not sure if we ever did and so we we set up a bunch of classes to teach people spanish so it's kind of cool because when you go to a different country, your one of your main teaching uh, tools, I guess, is uh, teaching English. You know, yeah. you you teach English classes. Um, but I I actually taught Spanish classes, even though I was learning Spanish at the same time. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's awesome. So so it was great to be able to help the people because you know they were speaking a, in a language that none of the other people knew and the church definitely didn't have any handbooks or or the book of mormon in in their 
their language just in Spanish. So they were able to, to learn Spanish and, and uh, learn more of the, the gospel um, because of that. When I was there in that area, I had the chance to go there 12 times. And I, I counted every time because it, every time was very special. I would go straight to the house of uh, the, the chief, and by that time he was the group leader uh, in the church there. And um, his son was about 25 years old, and he was our translator. So then we would walk and, and talk to as many people as we can in that little tiny village talk to the members and everything like that and help them and and uh he was our translator for every lesson that's cool. and i still remember the spirit that was there every time even though we spoke totally different languages and one lesson i had to go from english to spanish and then to witchy um, their language and so we went through three different languages and it was it was a great place i felt like i was in the book of mormon times walking through you know the Lamanite village or the Nephi village and, and preaching the gospel. And it, it felt amazing and the spirit was very strong there. That's yeah. super cool. Oh, I love it. Those are the kind of experiences that you'll never forget that really make a mission, a mission just memorable and amazing. So, man, that's cool. That's awesome. Miracles happen in missionary work, folks. Very, very true. When people decide to serve the Lord... The Lord works through through them, and miracles happen. That's so cool. All right. So yeah, in one of my apartments, there was a picture of a, a missionary on a boat, and he was he had he was on a boat and he was trying to cross this river, basically, uh, this this part of land, and he had a spoon for his oar, <laughs> so he was. He was going, and hit, hit, on his face, it was a look of determination and excitement and just working hard. And he, and he just felt like he was doing so much work and everything like that. And, and then behind him, there was an angel flying and pushing the boat super fast. And so the missionary always thought, you know, oh, with this little spoon, I'm going so well. And, and right behind him was an angel pushing him the whole entire way. And that, that's kind of like mission, missionary work. Yeah, you feel like, you know, you, you work as hard as you can. And always, you know, you're always exhausted because it's hard work and everything. And, and sometimes it's really hard and you don't see your success. And sometimes you're like, wow, we're having a lot of success. Like, how is this possible? And it's because the Lord is right behind us pushing us the way and, and making the miracles possible. Or just a tool in his hands to bring the gospel to people. So, yeah. Dude, that's so cool. I wish I could find that picture. I'm going to have to look it up. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is awesome. Cool, cool. All right, so the last question is, what did you learn about our Savior Jesus Christ while serving him? Like, what did you... If you could answer that question in a simple statement, but go for it. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, I learned that his love trumps all. Yeah. I think when, when you really study the Savior and his teachings and his, his actions, 
you you really get to understand how much love he has and how much you know christ-like love that's unconditional for people and so while i was on my mission and being able to serve the lord um i was able to to learn more of of how to use his love and how to gain his love that i can have for other people um and so that's i think that's uh one of the main things i learned serving a mission was was that christ-like love trumps everything else it's the reason why um that we strive to be good people as members of the church and how we we strive to be the best we can is because of the love that we have for the savior and his fellow or our fellow fellow brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of of God, and, and so I think that's that's probably if I put it into a phrase, it would be Christ-like love trumps all. Christ-like love, I love it, and that's something that we need to focus on in today's world. Just the other night, my city here, Minneapolis, uh, went through another round of um, some some unrest, and we, you know, I I just I wake up in the morning and and I hear about it, and I'm just man. Just I, I want these people to love more um, everyone, you know, and and we we just need good. We need good in the world. Yeah, and it's so true. And I, I talked about this earlier in one of, in one of my earlier episodes, but talking about that Christ-like love because that Christ-like love is how Jesus Christ overcame the world. Everything was against him. Literally everything you could possibly imagine times a million. We can't imagine it, how, what was against the Savior. But love won. His Christ-like love for us won. And because that it won, um, that, that love will never, never fail for us. That's why the scriptures say charity never faileth. And we can carry that in our lives today. We don't just have to be missionaries. And I, I know my brother was a missionary. I know I'm a missionary right now. We don't just have to be missionaries to share the gospel and to invite people to that love of Jesus Christ. We, we have the means. Everybody has technology right now. This is what we're doing as missionaries. We're on technology. Everybody has technology. Everybody has the light that they can share with other people. Um, and... Man, it's so awesome the miracles that happen when you decide to share that light. When you decide to, you know, get out of your comfort zone and go for it. Like, for example, to start a podcast. This idea is inspired. Uh, this is this wasn't me. <laughs> I wouldn't have thought of starting a podcast, but here we are. And it's all to share the love of Christ. Because this world needs it right now. Holy smokes, we need it. And it's on an individual basis that that love can take effect in your heart and produce the the grace, that power of the atonement, that grace in your life. Oh man, it's so cool! It's so cool. Anyways, Doug, I'll uh, I'll leave that for me. But is there any last words, um, your witness, your testimony you want to bear? Um, go for it. Any any last words? Sure. Yeah. So. Just my testimony. It's a it's a simple testimony. It's not, you know, I I don't 
try to use elegant words or anything like that in a testimony just because, you know, a, a testimony is meant to be simple, I think. Yeah. It is, well, it's meant to be strong. Um, because I, I, I do know that the gospel is true. And that if we strive to live the gospel, even in times of turmoil and indifferences and and how everything is going crazy out in the world, if we try to love one another, no matter the circumstance, no matter who they are, or what they worship, or 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 anything like that, if we truly love them, then we will be fine, and we will be blessed, and we will be able to help everyone else in this world. And I I do know that um, if we do listen to the prophet on earth today. He will guide us. I think it's it's very helpful right now and necessary to have a prophet on earth today because with all this this craziness happening happening and everything and especially with COVID nineteen, how it's it's scary. Like we don't know what's gonna happen. Is it gonna get worse? Is it gonna get better? And we don't know, but we all we also know as members of the church that we have a prophet here on earth today that leads and guides us. And if we follow him, then no matter what will happen, no matter if we pass away and die, that everything is going to be okay. Because the Lord is, his hand is in is in all things, and he controls every outcome. He knows exactly what's going to happen. And he knows exactly what we're going through. So I think, you know, my testimony about this gospel is, is strong. And I, lo- I love this gospel. Like I said before, it brings so much joy to my life. And it helps me try to to bring that joy in other people's lives. Um, it's hard. <laughs> the go- Living the gospel is hard. It's not easy. But it's definitely worth it. So, And I uh, say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Doug. Thank you so much. Um, I really feel the spirit. And I hope the listeners feel the spirit as well. Because this is what it's for. But thank you, and I, I guess I'll let you go. Um, I'll talk to you later, but keep yeah, up the good work. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. As always, Godspeed, brother. All right, dude. <laughs> talk to you later, man. Bye. Awesome. All right, thanks, everyone, for listening to episode six here about my brother's mission and the lessons that he learned what he learned about Jesus Christ. It's going to be awesome. My next episode, I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to have a guest. Um, well, they're always a guest, but we're going to have Kelly Thompson on the on the podcast, Seek and Find. She has an incredible story. Holy smoke, she has an awesome story. So I really encourage you to listen to it. We're going to be talking about addiction and how to get over that, you know, all that sort of stuff. But Kelly Thompson was in my ward growing up for about a year, maybe a year, maybe a little bit more. And uh, so I was, you know, I was good friends with her and just her story is awesome. So I, I just, I implore, I implore you to listen to the next episode too, because it's going to be awesome. It's going to be awesome. But anyways, enjoy the rest of your day or night or morning, whatever time you're listening. You're awesome. As always, seek and find. Seek those answers, find them through the Spirit.